Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome to the Believe in Jaguars show. I'm Justin Dunk, joined by Ryan Green from 1010XL and 92.5 FM Radio in Jacksonville. Follow Ryan on X or Twitter, at Ryan Green 1010 XL Ryan, since last time we chatted, a lot has happened in Duval County. How did you feel, first and foremost, about the Jaguars and their collapse at the end of the season? What led to it? Justin, always good to be on with you, man. Uh, biggest postseason collapse or biggest late season collapse in Jaguar franchise history. I mean, from eight and three, keep in mind, they were the number one seed in the AFC playoffs, albeit for a few hours but they were the number one seed in the AFC playoffs. People were talking about home field advantage and can they compete with Kansas city and Baltimore and Miami. And then you lose five out of six and what led to it. I go back to that Cincinnati game. You talk about a franchise altering game. First play of the game, Christian Kirk goes down with an injury. Offense was never the same the rest of the year after that. That was the game that Trevor Lawrence had the ankle and the whole golf cart situation. And the funny thing, Justin, about that game, they go to overtime. C.J. Beathard completes a pass to Calvin Ridley down to the four-yard line. Jacksonville could win the game. Holding penalty, gets called back. Jaguars never recover. Bengals go down to kick a field goal. And that game literally changed the direction of this franchise. So true. Football is back in bet online is your number one information source for all your sports wagering info with all the up to the minute stats, news, scores and matchup breakdowns. Get the latest game odds, spreads and totals from the NFL and college football at your fingertips with bet online's real time updates on statistics, news and odds from week one all the way through the college football playoff and Super Bowl. Bet online gives you the access to the best football promotions and contests available anywhere online head to the website today or use your mobile device to get in on the action remember to use our promo code believe that's b-l-e-a-v to receive your 50 percent welcome bonus on your first deposit bet online it's where the game starts you talked about that monday night football game there were other opportunities in prime time for this team to rebound why do you feel like they couldn't during that stretch that led them to being out of the playoffs Injuries caught up with them, although remarkably, when they lost to Tennessee and their season officially ended, they had 21 of their 22 starters on the field that day from back in training camp. They were probably one of the healthiest teams in the league week 18, which just adds salt into the wound. But they did have injuries that affected them. Trevor was never right. I think going back to the knee injury against Indianapolis, whether it was the knee or the ankle or the concussion protocol, the shoulder. I mean, Trevor Lawrence was never right. You know, after about week seven, week eight of the year was never fully a hundred percent. The offensive line was bad to begin with. And then when they had injuries to compound that, it just went from bad to worse. Like I said, they never recovered from the Christian Kirk injury, but this all goes back just to me. Now hindsight's 2020 last year, the Jaguars went nine and eight in the regular season. They didn't go 12 and five, man. They did not go 13 and four. They went 9-8. and eight. They went a playoff game against the Chargers, the great comeback. Play Kansas City tough. All right. But at the end of the day, in 19 games, the Jaguars were 10-9 and nine in 2022. And it's as if General Manager Trent Baalke said, we're good. We don't need to do anything. Let's run it back with the guys that we have. They did nothing, Justin, in free agency. 
nothing. When your biggest acquisition was Brandon McManus, a kicker that was surprisingly cut in Denver in the month of May, and that was your biggest acquisition, that's bad practice. You can't just run it back with a 10-9 and team and expect that team all of a sudden to get to 13 or 14 wins. We all drank the Kool-Aid, if you will, as did Trent Baalke, the Jaguar GM, and it turns out the Jaguars 9-8 and in 2022's regular season. What did they finish this year? 9-8. and I'm a firm believer. When a team shows you who they are, believe them. And this team was a 9-8 and football team in back-to-back years. A lot of people in the Jags fan base would like to see Balky gone as the GM. Do you think that's warranted? Well, that's an interesting question. Is it warranted? All right. Free agency, I think he's done pretty good when he actually does things, as we talked about. If you're going <laughs> to kill the guy for bad decisions, you got to give him credit for Christian Kirk. You got to give him credit for Evan Ingram. I think you got to give him credit for Zay Jones when healthy. Foyer Aluikin, I think those are check marks in the bulky column. Now, there are some guys like Roy Robertson Harris, Foley Fadakasi, Rayshon Jenkins. Have they been great? No, but they certainly haven't been terrible. So those are probably passing grades as well. So free agency, I think Balky Justin has done okay. The draft is where he loses me. Um, take their last three third-round selections. Last time I checked, third round's an important draft, right? I mean, that's guys that need to play for you. Luke Fortner, Chad Muma, Tank Bigsby. Luke Fortner is not the answer at center. Nothing against Chad Muma. I like him personally but it's a wasted pick. Why did you draft Chad Muma in the third round when you took Devin Lloyd in the first round of the same draft? That's a wasted pick. If you did not know the Jaguar roster like an encyclopedia like we do, you wouldn't even know Chad Muma was out there on Sunday against (laughs) Tennessee. All he's doing is playing on special teams. And then Tank Bigsby, I think, had more fumbles than he had first down carries this year. That's bad drafting. Brenton Strange, round two, a second round pick. I think he had more holding penalties than he had catches this year. Again, could they be good in time? Yeah. But when you waste a second and a third round pick this year and and your drafts have not been stellar really the last three years, that's where if you want Balky gone, I think you have an argument. A lot of people want Balky gone, and I would argue even probably more changes to the offensive staff than the defensive staff, but it's Mike Caldwell and his side of the ball that has been scapegoated after I felt like the defense was the most consistent unit for the Jags this season. Did they have issues? Yes. Were there rocky times? You know, especially that first game against the Houston Texans really stands out to me. Yes, but that unit was on the field for a long time because of the offense and especially the inability to run the ball. So do you think that Caldwell is taking the fall for Balky and Peterson and perhaps even Press Taylor? Justin, I think there's a part of that. I think when you're 8-3 and three and you have the biggest collapse in franchise history, somebody's going to be the fall guy, if you will, the scapegoat. Having said that, the Jaguar defense over the last six weeks lost games to Jake Browning, Joe Flacco, Baker Mayfield, and Ryan Tannehill. In a must-win game against Tennessee, when you have everything to play for, Tennessee has nothing to play for. Tennessee in eight games this year, eight games, had scored one offensive touchdown or fewer, 
and they go through you like a hot knife through butter for 28 points with Ryan Tannehill, no question there were problems on the defense. And I'll go a step further. If his fate wasn't already sealed, I think it was in the postgame locker room on Sunday when Andrew Dewey Wingard, one of the captains of this team, with microphones in front of him and cameras in front of him, he knew what he was doing, said that there was not a lot of, not a lot of assignment football being played down the stretch. Well, wait a minute. I mean, what does that mean? Are guys freelancing out there? Are guys doing whatever they want to do out there? And then you go back and you watch a couple of those Derrick Henry long runs. Gap integrity is a Doug Petersonism. There was no gap integrity. Devin Lloyd, I don't know what he was doing on a couple of those plays. Fadakasi, same thing. So maybe what Dewey Wingard said had some credibility to it, certainly. So if guys are freelancing, maybe they're not listening to the coach's message. So I, I do think change was warranted on the defensive side of the ball, but I don't think that is the main issue. I think the main issue for Jaguar fans is, as we've talked about, general manager Trent Balky and offensive coordinator Press Taylor. If, in a hypothetical world, Peterson was calling the plays, do you think the Jags make the playoffs rather easily? Boy, um, easily, no, because I don't think anything was going to come easily. Could they have maybe found a way to get an extra win, perhaps, which is all they needed to get in? You win one of the five games that you lost down the stretch, and you were going to be in the postseason. So, yeah, probably. Um, the Press Taylor thing is weird. Uh, again, I do think injuries affected the offense, but it's just dumb things. They're up 14 against Indy with three minutes to go. And you got your franchise quarterback doing a quarterback rollout? What are you doing? You run the ball up the middle, you kick a field goal, you go up 17, three-possession game. Instead, you roll Trevor out, he gets tackled, he, he hurts his knee. He's on a, in a brace for the next month and a half. Um, you sometimes got to save Trevor from himself, too. When it's 30-6 to six in Tampa, why are you stretching out on the sideline for a third and one? Uh, Trevor, you got to know, don't do that. Why is he in the game? And went down 24 in the fourth quarter. So there were coaching issues. Am I lumping it all on Press Taylor? No, but I'll give you one quick example. Season on the line, third and goal, fourth and goal. Tennessee's one-yard line, 28-20 late in the game. On third down, they call a quarterback rollout to the short side of the field where Evan Ingram, Calvin Ridley, Travis Etienne, and Zay Jones were not, but Justin Luke Farrell and Brenton Strange were. What are you doing on third and goal at the one-yard line, having your second and third string tight ends as you're only receiving possibilities on that play? And then fourth and goal, apparently Trevor called his own number to do the reach for the quarterback sneak. Well, the problem is you're at the yard and a half yard line. Last time I checked, Trevor's not 10 foot tall. I'm not the smartest guy on earth, Justin, but I'm smart enough to know when you're eight feet away from the goal line as opposed to four feet, it's going to be a lot harder to stick that ball over there. And you don't tell your offensive line, so guards are pulling on the play, thinking it's a halfback counter. It was a cluster of errors on offense. Somebody deserves to take the blame for that. And thus far, nobody has. We've kind of had this conversation in the past, but now that the season is over, Trevor Lawrence through three full years now, Number one pick, a lot of expectations, and he's lived up to his hype through high school and then at Clemson winning a national title. But 
is he ready for the difference in being an NFL quarterback on the rise to one that has expectations? People were talking about this team being a potential dark horse Super Bowl contender with Lawrence being possibly a top five quarterback in the NFL in a lot of people's minds. Do you think he is ready for this next massive step in his career? I mean, I think mentally he's ready. I think the question is, is he a good enough quarterback to be considered there? I have questions about Trevor Lawrence. And, you know, if you criticize anything about Trevor in the city of Jacksonville, oh, my goodness, you know, you are just an awful human being. You don't deserve <laughs> to have the job you do. You should see some of the stuff I got for, for a couple of my Trevor Lawrence takes. Here's the bottom line. Am I happy Trevor Lawrence is here? Yes, I am. Do I believe he's the long-term answer? Yes, I do. Am I going to give him $300 million this offseason? No, I'm not. If his agent comes in and wants Joe Burrow money, I'm laughing him out of the room. I mean, you look in the AFC right now, right now in January of 2024, just in his own conference, Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, and those are no-brainers. Lamar Jackson's a no-brainer. That's three I would put ahead of him. Who's the better quarterback, C.J. Stroud or Trevor Lawrence? People were laughing at those saying Stroud was better a month ago. I'm not laughing now. I think C.J. Stroud is every bit as good as Trevor. He got his team into the playoffs, doesn't exactly have a plethora of talent down there in Houston. You look at other quarterbacks um, like Tua, Justin Herbert. I mean, there are questions about Trevor moving forward here. I do give him the benefit of the doubt in one regard. I don't know if you've seen this online. There's literally a two-minute video clip of dropped touchdown passes from the Jaguars this year. Just in two minutes of dropped <laughs> touchdown passes. So I don't think the wide receivers lived up to their end of the bargain this year, but I do have reservations about giving Trevor Joe Burrow caliber money based on what I saw this season. Yeah, I would agree on both of those fronts. There's no way that he can be asking for Joe Burrow type money. And the receivers had a lot of timely Drops, not even just in the end zone. I mean, that clip would get even longer if you talked about key drops at key times in football games that could have extended drives and helped the Jags win. But yeah, there was a bunch in the end zone there. So I think some of the blame needs to be shouldered there. And I guess naturally that brings us to Calvin Ridley and kind of the decision that the Jags are going to have to make. Do you think he should continue with the Jags? I think they want him here. Here's the funny thing about that. And I've talked to people in Atlanta, and they think this is the case. I can't imagine Atlanta wouldn't put some sort of wording in the trade about this. But get a load of this. Everybody knows if you re-sign Calvin Ridley, you owe Atlanta a second-round pick. But what if, just what if, you're able to get Josh Allen signed before franchise tag deadline? And if you get Josh Allen signed, that means you can tag Calvin Ridley. So you don't have to re-sign him before the draft. You can wait till after the draft, which means that second rounder to Atlanta becomes a third rounder to Atlanta. You would keep your second round pick and Calvin Ridley simply by franchising him and then signing him to a long-term deal after the NFL draft. Now, again, that's contingent on getting a deal done with Josh Allen, but that's an interesting thing to at least think about as the offseason moves forward. I'd be fine with Ridley coming back here. Uh, a 1,000-yard receiver, 76 catches. I mean, keep in mind, 23 months out of the NFL, 
Did he have problems this year? Yeah. Did he live up to the billing? No, but I think the billing was a little, the expectations might have been a little high. You go 23 months without playing competitive football, you come back in, have 76 grabs for 1,000 yards and eight touchdowns. I don't think that's terrible, but there are a lot of people here that had those expectations so high that they certainly think you need to do something. What are you going to do? You're not going to bring in T. Higgins for massive money, I don't think. You're not going to bring in Michael Pittman Jr. for massive money, I don't think. Ridley's probably your best option. Another year with Trevor, another year in the system. If he has 76 for 1,000 this year, first year back, what could he possibly do next year? That, to me, is the biggest question. But I love the idea of kind of getting one over on Atlanta, franchising him, not signing him, and still being able to keep that second-round draft pick. And the Jags don't really do anything with third-round draft picks anyways, as you pointed out. <laughs> well, man, I like Chad Muma. I don't want this to be an anti-Chad Muma thing, but that is a wasted pick. I'm sorry. He doesn't play. Because you drafted Devin Lloyd and, and you wasted a third round pick. Bigsby, the same thing. And then Luke Fortner. Look, I mean, I'm never going to be confused. We have Leon Searcy, a buddy of mine, Tony Baselli. They can talk about footwork and hand placement and all that. Here's what I know about offensive linemen. If I don't notice you, that means you're probably doing a good job because you're not committing penalties and you're not getting beat for sacks. Unfortunately, when it comes to Luke Fortner, I noticed him a lot, including the quarterback sneak from Trevor. Justin, if you go back and watch that against Tennessee, Luke Fortner was annihilated on that. Mm -hmm. I mean, absolutely annihilated. And that's probably what cost the Jaguars that touchdown. Josh Allen is going to be the number one guy that all Jags fans are looking at in terms of getting this guy under contract for the long term. Where do you think his price point is? And can Jacksonville get it done you know i think um it would have been reasonable until the last say month and a half to talk maybe montez sweat money what he got now i'm starting to wonder if you're talking about bosa money with josh allen i mean 17 and a half sacks is incredible uh it, think about what this defense would have been justin had josh allen got hurt <clears throat> and that's another thing too we'll get back to josh allen in one sec but the entire offseason, I'm on my show every day on 1010XL in Jacksonville saying they need help behind Walker and Allen. They don't have a third or fourth pass rusher. In every press conference we went to, every time the question was brought up in April, May, June, July, you name it, we were told, oh, the young guys will develop. We have guys in this building that will develop. No, you didn't. Other than Trayvon Walker and Josh Allen, you had nothing to affect the opposing quarterback. If a guy on the radio in May and June and July can see that plain as day, Justin, then our general manager making millions of dollars to run the organization, if he doesn't see that, well, it's one of two things. He's either incompetent, which I don't believe Trent Baalke to be, or it's arrogance, that I know more than you, I know what's going on, and that's a bad way to be as well. You saw Leonard Floyd go to Buffalo. We were screaming for Leonard Floyd. Had a great year. Jadavian Clowney and Kyle Van Noy signed with Baltimore in September. And both guys had great years. Meanwhile, Jacksonville could do nothing behind Josh Allen and Trayvon Walker. So, again, I think that was arrogant on Trent Baalke's part. And, I, again, that questions me, questions him for me moving forward. Getting back to Josh Allen, you pay him whatever he wants. He's got you. He is clearly your best defensive player. 
It is not even close. He's only 26 years of age. I have a better chance of becoming an astronaut in the next eight months than Josh <laughs> Allen does playing for another team. One way, shape, or form, he will absolutely be a Jaguar in September. That's going to be something that Jags fans like to hear, and we'll all be tuned in to see if that deal gets done. Ryan, man, thanks for joining the show. Happy New Year. Appreciate you sharing your expert insight once again on the Believe in Jaguar show. Hey, Justin, always enjoy it, brother. Take care, and we'll do it again soon. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.